today's message is one that uh, I believe with all my heart we need at this moment. Uh, I don't know if my dream that I told you about a little bit earlier was intended to be faith, but uh, nonetheless, I think with, with everything that we are faced with, The Bible tells us that God has given us a piece of our armor. We have been talking over the last several weeks about the full armor of God. If you, in your bulletins, we have kind of plowed our way through this passage of Scripture in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, and um, we have dealt with a number of things. We're up to the sixth message in this series. There are uh, three more after this. We've talked about our armor and some of the pieces of the armor as Paul would have seen it on a Roman soldier. Paul was a prisoner at the time that he wrote the book of Ephesians. And so it's quite likely that Paul would have looked at one of the Roman centurions that would have been guarding him or at the very least escorting him from place to place and Uh, all of a sudden Paul saw the armor and all that that Roman soldier would have had to try to keep him safe in the kind of combat they would have fought during that time period. And he likened that to some of the things that God has given us as believers. Do you know today that you have an enemy? That enemy is out, the Bible says, Jesus said, the thief did not come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He has only one purpose and one plan for your life. It isn't to coddle you. It isn't to take care of you. It isn't to help you to have fun and more fun in life. His goal is not so that you will be happy. His goal for your life is not at all to help you to live a better life His goal is for you to be destroyed by Him. And as believers, trust me, you are on His radar. You are a target. And given that fact, the Bible lets us know that we have been given part of a spiritual armor that will help us. And I want to back up and start at verse 10 again. And I want us to read a little bit of what the Bible says here. The Bible says this. In Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of Uh, this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, because of the fact, that is, that we have this struggle, the Bible says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, 
Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. We are now at the shield. Next week will be the helmet of salvation. But this week it is the shield of faith. A Roman shield during that time period was a shield that was fashioned many in many times it was fashioned out of metal, fitted and formed. At other times they had to lighten it a little bit, but there was also part of another problem that, that the shield would meet from time to time. When it was fashioned out of metal, there were cracks that would be in that shield. We find in the text that the Bible says that it was intended to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. How many of you enjoy a good time piece period movie, a time period movie where it go, you know, goes back in the days of the bow and arrow kind of you know, fighting and all of that and you see the flames at the end. Apparently, during some of those times, they invented a way to put some kind of fuel that would fuel the fire there into inside those arrows, essentially creating a little bit of a, an explosive device or something that could spread the flame onto that arrow. So if, a, if somebody was shooting that arrow and it hit a metal shield that had cracks in it, that fuel could go all over that shield, get into the cracks, and essentially burn the, the soldier on the other side. So somebody came up with the idea of covering that shield in leather and then wetting it completely, putting it, just making it so soaking wet that no fuel could burn. However it was the case, the Bible lets us know that we have a shield of faith that actually can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Brothers and sisters, God, and I remind you of this, has given you everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness to help you stand your ground. Remember, we talked about being the last one standing. It is not God's intention for you to be a soldier who would be have, to, have to be taken off the battlefield, but instead it would be that you would be that one who would be standing your ground in the middle of the onslaught of the devil when he comes in and tries his best to destroy your life. You can be victorious in this battle. But you've got to remember to put on the full armor of God. You can't leave a piece of it out. If you do, you're exposed, you're vulnerable. The enemy can get in in some way, some form or another. And today we've got the shield of faith. The shield of faith can help us so that we can extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy. The enemy is not just shooting arrows. He is shooting arrows that sometimes can do more destructive damage in our lives and in the life of us as a body of believers, as a church, 
that the enemy wants to try. See, he doesn't want to just destroy you as an individual. He wants to destroy this little local assembly. He wants to destroy your life and the life of this church. Brothers and sisters, there is only one thing that's going to rescue us today, and it is the shield of faith. We cannot allow anything to get in that would tear down our faith. There is an oil platform in the North Atlantic, about 189 miles southeast of St. John's, Newfoundland, Canada. The total structure is 246 yards high from the ocean floor to the top of the derricks. And unlike the faded Ocean Ranger, a platform that sank in 1982, killing the 84 men aboard, this particular platform design incorporates a gravity-based structure which anchors to the seabed. The structure does not move. It essentially is an artificial island. It was built that way because it's in the middle of what is called Iceberg Alley, where an iceberg can be as large as an ocean liner. This platform is built to withstand, listen to this, a one million ton iceberg, which is expected once every 500 years, with repairable damage. Even so, this platform also, the designers took no chances. It not only does, is, uh, can uh, take a one million ton iceberg, but it's also able to withstand a six million ton iceberg expected once in 10,000 years with repairable damage. But those designers took no chances. On this particular platform, they have radio operators that plot and monitor all the icebergs within 27 miles and any that come close to the platform within that area are lassoed and towed away by big ships or supply ships. Smaller ones are diverted by the ship's high-pressure water, uh, water cannons or the pro uh, propeller wash. As rugged and as strong as this platform is, it will not, they will not allow an iceberg even to come close. One thing seems obvious. The engineers of this particular oil platform are not guilty of the kind of false security that may have contributed to the sinking of the Titanic, which incidentally was only 400 miles from St. John's, Newfoundland when it sank. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that similar to those radio operators is your shield of faith. It is that shield that says we are not going to allow any of the flaming arrows, and we're going to get into that in a moment of what those might be and what those might look like, but we're not going to allow any of those flaming arrows that the enemy is trying to shoot at me to get through, but instead it, it provides us a shield around us. The Bible says, and the psalmist wrote, Thou, O Lord, are a shield around me. I want you to know that God has you covered today. 
God has you covered. There is nothing that you are faced with in your life that God has not provided what is needed to keep you safe, to keep you secure, and to keep you standing in the middle of the battle. God has given us what we need. So the shield of faith shows us some things, some important things. One, it shows us the possibilities of faith. Turn over in your Bible, if you would, to Acts chapter 6 and verse 5. Acts 6 and verse 5. And I want you to see one of the possibilities that we have here of faith. One of the possibilities is, and I don't know if any of you have ever felt as though you have no faith. Or that, at the very least, you have small faith. Now the Bible says this. A couple of times Jesus said, you of little faith. He was not promoting the idea that you should have little faith. But faith does, in fact, start small. We know that because Jesus said in another place, He said, if you have the faith the size of what? A mustard seed. A mustard seed is one of the tiniest grains of seed there is, and yet it grows, that plant grows to be large out of that very small and tiny seed. It starts small. But do you know that though it starts small, you don't and should not, as a believer, be living on small faith. You and I have to have faith that grows. But there is also something else that faith can do. It can fill you. Listen to what the Bible says. This is not the only verse of Scripture that talks about this. There is another one as well that indicates this. The Bible lets us know that we can be full of faith. Acts chapter 6, verse 5. This was when they set apart the deacons. There was a need in the church. The disciples said, no, we've got to give ourselves to the preaching of the word and to prayer. That is our responsibility as apostles, as disciples. That is what we are called to do. So let's set aside seven men. But the Bible says, especially about one man by the name of Stephen... The Bible says about him, and it also says it about Barnabas, the the man Barnabas, also later on in the book of Acts. It says that he was a man. The Bible says this, this proposal pleased the whole group, that is, to set aside the seven men who would be called to help meet the need of of the church at that time. They chose Stephen, listen to this, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. A man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Now, a guy like that, you would think he's got to be around for a long time. We need a guy who's full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. We cannot lose this guy. They, you know, you would think, well, they're going to put, put this, this uh, you know, security around him because he's somebody who is invaluable to the kingdom of God. Do you know that Stephen was the very first martyr of the church? It's not long after that that we are reading about Stephen's martyrdom. It it sometimes defies a little bit of comprehension. He was full of faith. But this is the point. The point is simply this. That you, the possibility of faith is that you can be full of faith. What does that mean? 
It means that when you are met with trouble, when you're met with problems, when you're met with situations that you cannot figure out and you don't know what to do to try to make things work out, I want you to know faith says, God, it's your problem. It's not my problem. I'm going to stand my ground and let the shield of faith shield me against everything that the devil will throw at me to try to take me out of this warfare. I want you to know that God has a plan for your life and the plan is great. The plan is greater than anything that you could imagine. It is better than anything that you can dream up. It is better than what God has in store for each and every one of us. But we have got to have faith to believe for the impossible. And sometimes when we walk by sight, faith does not arise in our heart. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. He was full of faith. Do you know that it's possible to be full of faith? It is absolutely possible to say, Pastor, are you there with it yet? You know, everybody looks to the pastor like he's perfected it. Just because I preach it doesn't mean I've perfected it. Nobody's perfected it yet. I don't care how great the preacher is. I don't care how, how you know, all together we all look on the outside. And we, we try to impress. You know, we put our best foot forward. And, every, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of the reasons why everybody smiles on Facebook, you know. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just curious how many, you know, if you are on Facebook, if you've ever gone on there and said, you know, I'm just so terribly depressed today. I feel rotten and awful and feel like everybody is... You know, you do that and people are going to be you know, saying, you better get off here. This isn't what this is about. No, brothers and sisters, I want to let you know that God can cause faith to grow in our hearts and in our minds. It can cause faith to grow within us so that we can be full of faith. We've got to be full of faith. That is the possibility of the shield of faith. When we're full of faith, it's as if we have a shield all around us. Not just in front of us like what a Roman soldier would have had. A, a, a typical shield for a Roman soldier stood four feet high approximately and about two feet wide. That's not just the tiny little round thing that you always see in the movies. This is a, this is a serious shield. And if you had a Roman soldier who was a little bit shorter, he could just go and, you know, walk. And, you know, even the tall guys could crouch behind it and they would be hidden and they would be secure. But faith seems to be better than a shield that is just in front of you. It seems to be something that can be all around you when you are a man or a woman who is full of faith. God, increase our faith today. That's the possibility of faith. The power of faith is this. Go to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. There are a couple of things that we can look at in this. The power of faith. The power of faith to save. The Bible says this. And they were in the early church discussing uh, what had taken place among the Gentiles. They were shocked. These were all of the, the first early believers essentially were Jewish. They were Jewish believers. And, and, you know, all of a sudden, God shows up to Peter and says, you know, Peter, I want you to go to the house of Cornelius. Wait a minute. Cornelius is a Gentile. You know, what if he puts meat in front of me that's been offered to idols? What if, you know, and there are all these what-ifs that are going through the typical Jewish man who's been raised under the law and raised to, to fulfill the law and do all of that. What if all that happens? We know the conversation in Acts chapter uh, 10 that, that Peter has about the whole thing. And, and 
what took place. And Peter obeys God, goes to Cornelius' house. The power of the Holy Spirit fell. People were saved. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues. And now all of a sudden, the, the early church is trying to get their heads around it of what's happening. But listen to what the Bible indicates about the power of faith to save. Acts chapter 15 and verse 9. The Bible says this, He made no distinction between us, that is, Jewish believers, and them, Gentile believers, for He purified their hearts, how? By faith. It isn't by what you do. It isn't by how good you are. It isn't by, you know, how, how, how well you can perform and be a good citizen and be a law-abiding person. That has nothing to do with salvation. Salvation has to do with who you are putting your faith and your trust in. And we put our faith, as we shared communion earlier in this, in this meeting today, we put our faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for our sins that he shed his blood on Calvary. Brothers and sisters, that has nothing to do with how good you are. It has to do with how great and how mighty God is and how merciful he is to each and every one of us. The power of God to help us to be saved. He purified there the Gentiles' hearts by faith. So that is faith to save. This is the power of faith. The power of faith also comes in to help us to stand firm. We've talked about that a little bit already in a past message, but go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 24. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 24. The Bible says this. So after you get saved, what is it? You're going to be wishy-washy. You're going to, you know, fail all the time. You're going to, you know, kind of just, just well, I got saved and that's it at the altar. But now I've got problems and I got difficulties and I got habits that I can't break and I got this and I got that and I can't seem to win over it. No, and and the enemy comes in and he tries to, you know, make you think you're not even you're not even in the kingdom. He tries to make you think that somehow. He's going to win the battle, but listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says this, 2 Corinthians 1 and 24. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. Because it is by faith you stand firm. Let me read that last part again. It is by faith you stand firm. The only way that you can stand firm in the midst of your battle, in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of your difficulty is by faith. Brothers and sisters, the shield of faith will keep you standing at every moment in that battle when it heats up. And all of a sudden those flaming arrows are coming at you. And the enemy's purpose and his plan is to take you out and destroy you and destroy your witness. I want you to know that the shield of faith will help you to stand. There is also something that the power of faith can do, and it is this. The power of faith will help you to live for Him. 2 Corinthians, go to chapter 5, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. This is the power of faith to help you live. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7, it says, We live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. 
How many of you, how many of you at least at some point during the week, once, twice, maybe every day, maybe you're religious about it, you look at the news, whether it's on TV, whether you get it off the internet, where you listen to the radio, you get news. Almost everybody, we, you know, <clears throat> you look at the news and you think, oh my God, what in the world is going on? What is happening in our world today? What is, what kind of evil can be invented now? And trust me, when it's left in the hands of man, he will invent more ways to do evil. Just read Romans chapter 1. That'll clue you in as to what really is going on in the heart of man. We look at all of that and we think, I don't know how in the world I can live. You know what? One of the things that we have to do is we have to stop living by sight. If you live by sight, you will wake up depressed, you will live depressed, you will live under a cloud of despair, but the Bible tells us that we don't live by sight, we live by faith. Listen, I don't care what news channel you look at, they are not the ones who dictate the way it's all going to end up. God is the one who dictates that. God is the one who's going to have the final say in it all. And God can have the final say in your life. I want you to know that Jesus told his disciples that you are the light of the world. We live in a dark world. We live in a world that is full of sin. So what, what brothers and sisters, is going to help us? Is it going to help us to cower in a corner and cover up our light? No, the Bible says that we can have the power to be able to live by faith and not by sight. We can walk into a darkened world and we can let the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ shine brightly. You say, but wait a minute, we're living in a day and age where people don't even want to hear it. They don't want to listen to what we have to say. What does that even matter? The Bible doesn't ever tell us to shut up because people don't want to hear what you have to say. The Bible tells us to let your light shine before men. Brothers and sisters, we have an incredible task in the day and age that we live in. People are living with such hopelessness in their hearts and in their lives simply because, you know, science has taught them that you just evolved, which means, you know, you don't have any purpose in life. Who cares? You know, what happens to you as a human? Well, we create our own thing. Yeah, but then what? We create our own purpose, but then what happens? What happens when you can't quite fulfill your purpose? You're full of despair. You're full of hopelessness. And if you think that somehow this is all there is, it is the worst evolutionary joke that ever was played on anybody. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, the Bible still tells us, and I believe it is absolutely true that He is the one who spoke the worlds into order, that He did so because He had a plan and a purpose for you and I. We are not on the same level as animals because we have been created in the image of God. We are like Him, brothers and sisters. Sisters, in that sense, we have been created in His image. We have purpose. We have something of a future that is in store. All of mankind does, brothers and sisters. We've got to stop living by sight and begin to live by faith that God is going to work through us and reach out to a world that is full of hopelessness and purposelessness. We know that God has a plan. What did God tell His people even after they had been carried into Babylon? Prophet Jeremiah says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to, to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. God didn't, he didn't bail out on them when they were bailing out on him, but instead he just showed the, the magnificent plan that he had for them in all of its glory. 
but what about these flaming arrows? What are we going to do about them? I want you to see this. There are some flaming arrows that we need to be concerned about, we need to look out for, and I need to hurry through this next area because there is one final thing that I want to get to. I don't want to end on flaming arrows. That's the last thing I want to do as a preacher. But there are some flaming arrows there is, that we have to be concerned about. There is the flaming arrow of doubt that can come. It can get into your life and it can disrupt the Bible tells us this, Matthew chapter 14. Why don't you just go ahead and turn there. Matthew 14, this is the passage of Scripture where Peter sees Jesus. It's a stormy night and it's in the middle of the night. The Bible says, I think it was right around the third watch of the morning. That is the hour of between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., that hour that it is the darkest. And all of a sudden they're looking out and I don't know what kind of light they might have had. Maybe they had light of some kind on the boat. Maybe they had nothing. We don't really know. But all of a sudden, these disciples are out in the wee hours of the morning and they look out and they see something walking on the water. And we know the story. We know that it was Jesus. And Peter shouts out, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Well, he knew there was only one person in the world who could be walking on water. And it had to be Jesus. It couldn't have been anybody else. It wasn't a Pharisee. It wasn't the high priest. It had to be Jesus. Jesus said, come on. Go for it. I love this. It, this is God in His very best. This is God saying, you can do greater things, brothers and sisters, than what it is that you think you can do. Walk on water? Peter gets out of the boat. Check it out. Walking on water. I don't know if he was just, this is so cool. I have no idea what he was. But all of a sudden, a flaming arrow hits Peter. It's, wait a minute. I shouldn't be doing this. Nobody walks on water other than Jesus. Nobody should be doing this kind of thing. Somewhere along the way, doubt came in. And the Bible says this in Matthew 14 and verse 31. As Peter, all of a sudden, we don't know if he was sinking slowly or if all of a sudden he took a plunge and he bobs back up. Have no idea how it all happened. But Peter, it seems like maybe it was sort of slowly. He begins to sink. Wait a minute. You know, the water is now giving way and I'm starting to go under. And he cries out to Jesus. And the Bible says, in verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Brothers and sisters, when the enemy comes with his flaming arrow of doubt, the question is always from God, why did you doubt? Why? I don't understand it because I'm greater. You were just walking on the water. What happened? You doubted. So why did you doubt? From here to here, it was faith. From here to here, you doubted. 
And that's the way we are sometimes. We allow doubt to come in. And when those doubts begin to march through our minds and our hearts, all of a sudden we begin to sink. We sink in our depression. We sink in our despair. We sink in our pain. We sink in our problems. And the, and the enemy is, is sitting back saying, Ha, ah, that arrow worked. It got through. It was a nice flaming arrow. It hit the cracks. And now they're burning a little bit. They're feeling the effects of this. But brothers and sisters, the message from heaven is always, why are you doubting? Because the faith of God can be yours. It can be a shield around you to help you accomplish great and mighty things. You see, Peter was walking on the water and he doubted. And sometimes we walk through life and we doubt. You don't need to turn there, but listen to what James chapter 1 and verse 6 says. It says, but when he asks, that is the person who is asking of God something great, asking for wisdom. When he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. One minute you're up, the next minute you're down. One minute you're up here and everything is great and then all of a sudden you're down in your despair because doubt comes into your life and brothers and sisters, again, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Do not allow doubt to get through. There is another flaming arrow that we have to be concerned about. And it is this, the flaming arrow, this is, affects the body of Christ. It is the flaming arrow of division. Division happens when selfishness rather than servanthood takes over. Division comes in the body of Christ when selfishness takes over rather than servanthood. What does the Bible tell us about Jesus in the book of Philippians? It talks about in Philippians chapter 2, it tells us that Jesus came to this earth and when he did so, he humbled himself to the form of a servant. He didn't say, you know, I'm entitled to some things here. You know, in America, we're all about our entitlements, right? Aren't we from time to time? This is why our society is so nuts. This is why we have so many problems. Everybody's entitled to something. You know what? As a believer, you are entitled to nothing. You are entitled to be a servant. You are entitled to live the way Jesus lived. You are entitled to get down and say, how can I serve my brothers and sisters around me? How can I be that? But you know what? When all of a sudden division gets in, when selfishness takes over, well, it's got to be my way or the highway. You know, everybody's an armchair quarterback. You know, for those who like football, and I'm, I'm prone to watch it from time to time, when you like football, you're sitting there and you see the play unfold, and you're like, no, pass it down the field. And the guy takes the ball and he runs into the little pile, which drives my wife crazy. So they, they try to run up the middle and they get nowhere, and it's like this, this big pile of big giant men. And, and she, why do they do that play? I'm like, well, they have to, to you know, try to fake out the other team for the next play. And, and But we're yelling, throw it down the field. But when you've got these big six-foot-five 290-pound men standing in front of you, it's a little tough to see downfield. You know, you go on the field and you do it. Right? Oh, no, no, no. I'm too little. I, I'll stay right here. We've got, everybody knows what's the right thing to do, what's the best thing to do. And division gets in when all of a sudden there's this fighting. It is that flaming arrow of division. 
that comes as strife begins to come out. Brothers and sisters, the body of Christ is not to be a splintered body. You cannot take the arm and put it over there and separate it and expect the arm to function properly. No, it's got to be connected to the body. Brothers and sisters, don't allow division get to get into your heart and your mind and to then stir up trouble in the rest of the body, but instead say, Lord, let me serve you the very best that I can. There is the flaming arrow of division. There is the flaming arrow of deceit. The Bible tells us about the devil that he is a liar and the father of lies. If he can't get you with division and that selfishness that comes, he can't get you with doubt. And maybe he can't get you with some of the other flaming arrows we don't have time to talk about. But some of the things that are just, you know, it's like gross sin. I mean, it's going completely the opposite direction. If he can't get you there, he'll just lie to you. He'll try to deceive you. He'll try to make you think that something is what it is not. And brothers and sisters, I want to let you know today, don't let that flaming arrow of deceit get in. That could be false teaching. It could be all kinds of things. It could be from an external source that gets in and begins to take hold. Don't allow deceit to get a hold of your heart and mind. It could be that he is coming along and he's like, like he did with Eve. Did God really say that? He calls into question the Word of God. Hmm, not really sure. Why aren't we sure? Don't really read the Bible so much. Don't really know what it says. Not really sure about that particular thing. Then go find out. Go find out. Dr. Norman Geisler tells the story of when he was a young man. Very young. Just had been saved. Had just been gotten saved. And he went out and... You know, I mean, he had just been barely saved. He went out on the street, began to witness. He said, well, this is what they do. They go out on the street and they witness. He's in his, I don't know, maybe 70s now, Dr. Geisler is. And he, he says, I went out on the street. And he said, you know, all of a sudden he, he approached a man who was just completely drunk out of his mind. And the man, he tells the story this way. He said, the man says, I went to Moody in Bible in something. I, I don't know what he said, but something crazy. He said, I went to, and then he said, but wait a minute. The, the, and he went to a part of the Bible. He said, give me your Bible. So Dr. Geisler, it wasn't Dr. Geisler at that point. He was just Norman Geisler. He handed him his Bible and he turns to a page of the Bible and he says, go and tell no one of anything. And he turns away from the scripture and he said, now get out of here. And Dr. Geisler, I walked away. And he said, I didn't know how to answer a drunk that day, he says, so I spent the rest of my life finding the answers, going and getting the answers. He's written dozens of books. He's a great apologist for the Christian faith. But I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, when it comes to our, our not knowing the answers, of, the Bible has given us everything that we need. We need to dive into the book and get a hold of what it says and say, Lord, your word tells me how it is. I've got to live and what it is that I need to do. I will not be deceived by the enemy. There is one final thing that the shield of faith does for us. It strengthens us. See, Paul says these words in this verse of Scripture as he finishes up and as he closes up this passage. He says this, with which, I want you to notice this, with which you can 
extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. These are some strengthening words. The shield of faith will strengthen us. It will show us that we can win. That you can. You see, Joshua and Caleb, they were two men, two spies out of 12 that came back from spying out the land of Canaan and brought back a good report. There were 10 spies who came back and they said, we can't. Lately with our kids, our favorite expression is, you're going to be an American or an American. I don't know why I like that, but I just do. And they, they say, we're going to be an American. I can do it. See, sometimes we have the can't do attitude, but the can't do attitude is not an attitude of faith. It can't shield you from those flaming arrows of the evil one. It can't shield you from anything that the enemy will come against you with. You have to have the can-do attitude like Joshua and Caleb. The ten spies that came back with a bad report were spies who did not experience the blessing of faith. Because they, re- they chose to go the opposite direction and say we can't. The Bible says here that you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. No matter what the devil is throwing against you and at you, you can. Say it with me. I can. I can. I can. Can. I, can, I can extinguish everything that the devil throws against me. The shield of faith will take care of it all. So all of it, everything, everything. The Bible says that you can extinguish all the flaming arrows. Not just some. Not a part. Oh, there's some things. I don't know. It's pretty tough. Don't know how I could overcome that. You've heard of people go through such terrible horror stories in life and they come through on the other side and they say, God, help me. God brought me through. Say, I'm not so sure that I could do that. Brothers and sisters, as long as you sit by and say, I'm not so sure that I could go through that and I could come out on the other side a winner, then you just might not. You've got to believe that God has given you everything that will help you to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I can extinguish all. There isn't anything today that God intends for you to have to deal with that you and him together cannot deal with. The Bible says that there is no temptation that has happened to you or taken you, but what is common to man. The Bible says, and God will with the temptation make a way of escape so that you can stand up under it. See, the whole point of of us in this battle and what it is that we are to accomplish is that we've got to stand. See, when we stand in faith, we say, God, I've got this shield of faith. I'm going to use it. I'm going to believe your word over what the devil has said, over what the enemy is throwing against me. Today, I'm going to believe what you have to say. Brothers and sisters, you will be the last one standing. You will stand your ground in the middle of a world that says you shouldn't be able to hold up under that. Who can actually bear something like that? You can through the power that comes through faith. God has given us the shield of faith that to help us 
to be able to overcome whatever the devil throws against you. And trust me, whatever he's throwing against you today, he is trying to take you out and bring you down and take you under. But God's plan for you is to stand victorious. After you have done everything to stand, you stand. And that is what God is able to do through the shield of faith he has given to you. Let's stand our feet right now. And let's give God praise and thanksgiving for all that He has done today. He's done great and mighty things. There is nothing that God cannot do. Hallelujah.